0: Player of the game for this coming weekend against the Titans. Yes, I already know who it is. It's Robert Spillane. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Spillane. Number 41 in your program, number one in your heart, because he has to be. Because there's no way around the Steelers beating the Titans this Sunday at Heinz Field without Spillane being at least a major player as part of that defensive front. Yeah, he's coming back off a knee injury, hasn't played since November 28th, but Someone, at some point, has to stop the other team from running the football. And I'm not yet seeing who will do that up front except Cam Hayward. The easy solution when it comes to Cam is to not run where 97 is. Which is what most teams have done in addition to doubling, even tripling Cam. Who's going to be... The one who supports Cam on that line? Who are you trusting? Isaiah Loudermilk, the fifth-round rookie? Are you trusting Carlos Davis, who will be back from a long injury absence of his own and hasn't really achieved anything in the NFL yet? Are you trusting Isaiah Bugs, who couldn't practice yesterday because of an injury? Are you trusting, well, list's getting a little short, isn't it? Chris Wormley you could throw in there. Uh, You know, you would be able to throw Montrevious Adams in there. He's been okay at this, except that he's now in COVID protocol and his status is unknown. So you're looking at the second tier. And within the second tier, you're definitely not looking at Devin Bush or Joe Schobert. Buddy Johnson was able to get some snaps. Marcus Allen was able to get some snaps. They're not going to be your answer either. It's Spillane or bust, because this is what's going to happen on Sunday. The Titans aren't going to try to fool anyone. They'd be fools if they did, as Keith Butler himself acknowledged yesterday with this beautiful line. If I was looking at us, what would you do? I'd run the ball too. Even without Derrick Henry blowing people away back there, the Titans have run the same offense. In his absence, they're still emphasizing running the ball. They're using Donta Foreman, who hasn't been great, but he had 101 yards against the Patriots. And even though New England, to an extent, allowed Tennessee to run the ball that day, instead, you know, the way Bill Belichick likes to take away one component, they they went after Ryan Tannehill and made sure that he couldn't do what he wanted. There's no such thing now as an NFL team that isn't a threat to run the ball through the Steelers endlessly and at will. That's how far this has fallen after six straight 100 rushing yard performances against. Oh, and by the way, the one before that was 96 yards by the Browns. So, you know, somebody could have fallen forward and we'd be talking about seven in a row. This stuff hasn't happened in Pittsburgh in forever. but It's happening now all the time. And if there are answers afoot, I don't see them. I don't see them other than Spillane. You can put a bunch of people in the box. You can just say, listen, I, I'm i loading up here. I might not trust any two defensive linemen to support Cam, but I'll trust three or four. I might not trust any inside linebacker to even want to make tackles, but I can trust this number of guys, or I can bring... Terrell Edmonds up closer to the line of scrimmage since the safeties seem to be the most invested parties behind the line of scrimmage when it comes to wanting to make tackles. In big parentheses here, by the way, Minka Fitzpatrick didn't get anywhere near the credit he should have, I feel, for his performance in Minneapolis. Remember one of the knocks on Minka when he came? There weren't many, but this was one was that he couldn't tackle or you know was reluctant to tackle or whatever. Minka was amazing with his open field takedowns of Dalvin Cook and parentheses if you're relying on your safeties to be your main run stoppers this is how you end up where the Steelers currently are. I wouldn't mind seeing the coaches particularly Keith Butler make some kind of significant adjustment that at least opens the game and sends the message, look, these things you saw on film, they're not going to happen for you today. You're going to have to try something else. This is what Butler had to say uh, in general about fixing the run defense. All of us get stuck. All of us have got to win our individual battles. I mean, the old cliche about 11 guys doing what they're supposed to do and stuff like that is really true. You know, it's not something coaches just use. It's it's something that uh, that's got to happen for us. We got to win the individual battles, and part of the individual battles is getting off blocks. How do you get off blocks? We use the same technique we've always used since I've been here, and it's worked for a lot of other people. Uh, it hadn't changed now. So uh, yeah, we still got to get off blocks and get to the ball, and and play in unison together. We got to be a, a better team defense. I'm there too, man. Fix the dad gum thing fix it somehow some way it's not going to be pretty it's going to have to be patchwork you're going to need a player or two to surprise you a little bit on the defensive side of the football but if this doesn't happen if there isn't a solution for this everything else that we're talking about that we've been discussing and debating all week long goes right out the window Up to and including, you know, Yay Ben, get them into the playoffs, Ben. Show that fourth quarter form the whole game with the no huddle and stick it to Matt Canada and all the doubters and all that goes out the window. If the Titans can possess the ball, which they, of course, have the best chance of doing, by ramming it right down the Steelers' collective throats, fix that. And then there's at least a chance of getting through this one. When we come back, Just One Question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you Always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garvin Kelly, and George. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, or medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, that they keep that promise. And this law firm has been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them at LGKG.com. And today's J1Q comes from Tom, who asks, How was Melvin Ingram a problem, but Chase Claypool is not? Easy answer. Mike Tomlin handpicked Claypool. That's it. Uh, I'm not sure where to start with this, but it's been expressed by enough people, Tom, that it's certainly an issue that's worth tackling here. And by that, I mean specifically Ingram's departure and how he was treated compared to others along the way. I'm going to start with a couple of obvious differences between Ingram and Claypool, stuff that you already know, but I'm going to emphasize it regardless. Ingram is a backup 32-year-old linebacker who really, by the way, hasn't made that much of an impact since he left. Claypool is a second-year NFL guy with a world of talent at a position and in a role within that position that the team really, really needs. Okay, obvious stuff there. Ingram made it very clear to all concerned, that he did not want to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was Ingram's choice. That was not something that the Steelers imposed on him. Say whatever you want, and I've said plenty myself about the way Claypool carried himself last week in Minneapolis, but you can't come close to suggesting that he asked to be off the team, that he asked to play elsewhere. It's a very, very, very different discussion. The mantra that Tomlin has used for this sort of thing, that he wants volunteers, not hostages, hasn't been applied all that often. But it has been applied consistently, whether it was LeGarrette Blunt, whether it was Le'Veon Bell, and now whether it was Melvin Ingram. The only difference between those three guys is that Ingram was a 32-year-old backup linebacker. Everybody's still fussing about him, it feels like. No one talked about Ingram when he was in Pittsburgh. He's gone, and somebody sees... His one sack that he's recorded on a highlight and goes, Wow, no, Ingram, oh, no. If only we'd known that T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith would get hurt and we'd be looking at Derek Tuska and whatever else out there at OLB, then you would have kept Ingram and you could have made that promise to him a month and a half ago and everything would be okay. It's crazy. It's crazy. There's no double standard here. There are double standards at times with this head coach. And I've called him on those as I've seen them. But this one doesn't apply. It just doesn't. This, when this team starts disintegrating performance-wise, these are the types of things that come up. That's normal. That is not something that's unusual to Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh fans or whatever. It happens everywhere. We will look for personality-type reasons for why a team isn't doing the way we would expect. This football team on this Sunday needs to tackle the other team's ball carrier. I don't believe that it's going to be a whole lot more complicated than that. I believe there are other layers that need to be part of it. The offense still needs to pitch in, you know, a little bit. I think it's becoming increasingly capable of doing so. Although that's going to be tough too. Because the Titans are really, really going to get after it up front. But ultimately, the swing vote... In this election, if you want to call it that, is going to be the Steelers' defensive line. It's not going to be about a personality decision that was made here or there or something that was being discussed on hot talk radio or on social media or wherever else. It's going to be boring. It's going to be about bringing down a running back when the running back is trying to run the ball. That's it. I am not optimistic about that. I am not optimistic about the Steelers' chances as a result, and I'm definitely not optimistic that the offense would be able to score enough to compensate for it, particularly not with that rush the Tennessee's going to bring and the woeful state of the offensive line. But if the tackles are made, there is a chance. There is at least a chance. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these on Monday, and I strongly suspect we'll have a lot to talk about.